Hi, everybody, and welcome to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Vince Hodder. Now, Vince is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Local Logic. It's a spatial data company that quantifies cities to match people to the places that they should live. Now, we've done a deal at Tribus uh, with local logic and we're excited to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes but first of all vince thanks for joining us here today thanks for having me it's awesome to be here great well tell us a little bit beyond being just the co-founder of local logic i know you have a little more real estate in your background can you tell us a little bit about that yeah well i mean so my family's been in real estate for a very long time so i've from a young age i've kind of been really really interested in in the industry um all aspects of it from development to um uh, you know the brokerage business as well um and and actually so one of my my current co-founder and i actually founded a real estate consulting firm prior to local logic where we were essentially trying to use data to um, help urban planners but also real estate developers kind of make more informed decisions as to their investments and their thesis around there. So um, uh, since then kind of evolved into more of a tech startup, but have been working in the industry for a little while now. Yeah, that's, that's great. So, so a family history in the real estate business, huh? Were, were they uh, in the brokerage business or developers or what, what did, what has your family done previously? So, yeah. So my grandfather was, was uh, an investor. So he was, he was a, a lawyer based in Canada and he was, working a lot on expropriation deals. And through that, he was he was investing in real estate in Europe, in the US, um, and in Canada. So was doing a ton of different types of deals. At one point he was he was buying up hotels in Florida um, and in the Caribbean and then doing a lot of work um, on land acquisition um, and, and investment mostly through through uh, through land in the Atlanta region. So I grew up kind of hearing about these crazy deals and 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 uh, was super interested in learning more and it was kind of, you know, from pretty young, I remember wanting to be a real estate developer and I didn't really know what that meant, but I really wanted to do it. Um, and, and so um, kind of, you know, went in finance and studied in finance, thinking I was going to go to real estate and then kind of quickly realizing that, you know, finance, the, the traditional finance world just really didn't have that much to do with the real estate world. And so pivoted out of that. So I was really, really excited by the opportunity that real estate enabled um, and kind of the ability of shaping the physical world through um, through the power of the real estate industry. Well, that's, I mean, that's great. I'm actually pretty jealous of the uh, the experience you had growing up and getting to see all of that. Uh, my, my family owned a business and my experience with real estate was obviously our house, but uh, my, my parents uh, did did a construction project on building a building for their business. Right. And I think that's what got my first foray into it. But it sounds like, man, your family has a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of experience in it. Is, is that kind of what, you know, obviously got you going into real estate, but then what specifically, if anything that your family had, or maybe something you found uh, was what got you into the spatial data industry? Yeah. So, so the full story is that although my grandfather was a lawyer and investor and worked in the real estate industry, my father was actually an urban planner. And so when I was, I did a bachelor's in, in finance, did a CFA and worked as an analyst for a little while. And, and then I realized, well, if I'm going to go into real estate, 
I need to have a different edge. I need to have a different perspective on the real estate industry. And so my dad being a planner kind of encouraged me to look at that discipline and seeing if maybe there's, there could be some interesting synergies there. And so I went in and, and ended up doing a master's degree in urban planning at McGill University here in Montreal. Um, and it's, a, it's a, a pretty small program. And one of the, one of the um, interesting aspects of it is that they designed their cohorts with people that have totally different backgrounds. So we had people that worked at the UN uh, prior uh, to, to coming and doing the master's. We had people in statistics or in, um, in, in, in other types of sciences. And then I had this kind of uh, background in finance. And um, what urban planning did was essentially um, give me a lens on um, the impact that policies around cities and the built form at large um, actually created these really interesting levers to driving value in real estate. And so um, through um, that program, not only did I understand how um, the physical space actually impacted real estate, um, I also was exposed to this whole new aspect uh, of geospatial information systems, which essentially is technology that enables us to use geospatial data sets to try to represent um, what's physically there in our world. And so uh, we realized that there's a tremendous amount of data on cities that really wasn't being leveraged by the real estate industry. It really wasn't being used to its full capacity. And that's where um, uh, myself and my two other founders, uh, co-founders, really saw an opportunity to leverage that type of geospatial data and bring it into the real estate industry to create more transparencies to um, what's around the property and why that matters to the person that's gonna end up living there. Um, and and that's, that's something that I think was, was interesting for me because it really emerged kind of my interest in real estate and then my newfound interest and passion for urban planning and, and, and data science. Um, so when I was a kid going back to that story, I was always convinced I was gonna work in real estate because it was a physical asset. You can kind of walk the land, you could see the building. Mm -hmm. And now a few years later, I'm, I'm ended up in the data, data world where there's basically nothing tangible that you could kind of hold or see, which is, which is a weird reversal situation. Well, I think it makes, uh, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because from a high level, uh, you know, you, you're kind of the, uh, uh, the puppet master a, a little bit of the data, right? And in terms of city planning and things like that and, and urban planning of what you were going into when you have the data, um, you can almost help people make, you can, I don't, I didn't mean yeah. to say almost, you you can absolutely help people make better decisions, right? Right, right. And, and so, yeah, so, so I mean, you know, one of the first things that you realized as an urban planner or, or studying planning is that there's really two major stakeholders that actually decide how our cities are built. It's not the planner. It's the um, private real estate sector. So the developers or the investors that are actually building new properties, building those physical assets. And then it's the consumer. It's the, the, the citizens of that specific city, right? And, and, and where you live, where you choose to live in a city uh, with respect to where your kids go to school, where you end up spending a lot of time, what gym you go to or what shops and services you, you use, or the big one where you work, have such a huge implication on the types of cities that are developed around those citizens. And so as planners and as people passionate about building sustainable and, and, and cities that work for the people that, that live within them, you know, we really realized the impact we could have of providing that highly contextualized location information 
to inform citizens that are looking to move or looking for a new house exactly the type of lifestyle that that property but more specifically that location would enable them to have and so by showing that information we're helping people make better more informed decisions that are more in line with um you know the, the types of experience they want to live and you know the analogy i often use is if you compare um if you go to any kind of website or traditional website and look at traditional real estate agent and then you compare a house downtown of a city with um, a similar house in the suburb, the only differentiating factor based on data is price. And that difference is huge. But then you'll look at square footage, you'll look at number of bedrooms and bathrooms, you'll look at those pictures and you'll be like, okay, this is not the same value, right? Location makes up that difference. So if we're able to explain to people, contextualize the value associated with location, suddenly that price point makes more sense. And for some individuals, Maybe the quality of the coffee shops or the quality of the schools actually matters a ton when comparing those two alternatives. And that's what we wanted to create through data. Um, and the first step in doing that, like you said, was getting access to that data and, and building out that digital representation of cities, um, that digital representation of that intuitive gut feeling you get when you stand outside of a house, right? Or when, when, you're, when you're on a specific street corner in a city. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, so, I mean, it's, if you're a real estate agent, what you just said is kind of somewhat obvious. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same point, it's less obvious in the fact that very few real estate agents that are out there are out there helping quantify, yeah. you know, should you live closer? I, I know when I had my brokerage, before there was anything like local logic that was out there, um, we were trying to help first time homebuyers specifically identify how much money um, they should spend on their houses, but particularly how much more they would spend on consumables getting to and from work. Right, so, you right. know, it'd be like, okay, yeah, if you, if you, uh, you could buy a more expensive house closer to your job and you're going to save $40 a week, how much more does $40 a week uh, or $80 a week or between two, you know, uh, spouse one and spouse two, yeah. $80 a week more, buy you more in house. And then that's yeah. a, an appreciating asset instead of a consumable, right? But there's, there's all these externalities. And that was the calculation that like, I, we got really, we nerded out on for a long time <laughs> of like, you know, yes. Okay. So there's the cost of, of transportation, but then there's also the, you know, the cost of your time. Like if you're commuting for two hours a day, well, how much is your time worth for those two hours? Then there's a cost on, you know, health. Like there's, there's huge health, health ramifications around um, commuting, right. And depending on the mode of transit that you choose. But if you factor all of these, what we call externalities and you associate a dollar value, it sometimes the, the, the more expensive property in the city center could make financial sense. Right. Yeah, and, I, and I, think, I think that's, the, it's how do you explain that? How do you quantify that to somebody that might not be aware of all those nuances? I think it's very astute. I tell people all the time, um, we, we do ad, advisory for um, startups uh, and uh, take investment stakes in small startup companies in a lot of cases that are in the prop tech space. And right. one of the things that I often identify that to them that nobody ever seems to think about is what's the value of your time, 
right? Mm -hmm. Nobody seems to recognize that everybody has a limited amount of time and that their time is valuable and that they should be doing X instead of Y because X actually makes them money. Y is something they could get a, a you know, $12 an hour person yeah. to go do. Yeah. And you don't need, I, I just had this conversation with a handyman, uh, you know, not even yeah. somebody we advised, <laughs> but a handyman was sitting there saying, yeah, I've, I've spent in uh, 30 to 40 hours uh, a month uh, so a full week of an employee's time doing nothing but just driving to go pick up right. parts that he needed. Uh, and I right. said, well, man, you could hire somebody to do that and, and, and or just have an Uber or something, right? Right, um, right. So yeah, excellent, excellent points. Um, let's talk a little, let's dive into the data industry a little bit more yeah. um, because this is something that, you know, we've been an outsider to the data space uh, and yet every data company that's in the real estate industry, and there's a number of them, but everyone has wanted to sell data to Tribus for umpteen years, 11 right. years since we started, <laughs> right? Everyone reaches out and says, hey, we can do parcels, or hey, we can do geocoding, or hey, we can do um, you know, spatial data, or whatever. And it, it seems as, as an outsider to that space, it seems like this kind of old school industry where yeah. there's a few players and the insiders all know that CoreLogic has this data set and Black Knight has this data set and this other company has this data set. Um, you know, Pitney Bowes was out there and having uh, address data sets that were out there. Right, it right. Seems like there's a lot of these companies that just go resell all of their data um, without telling you where they got it from. So as a, you know, a fairly new entrant uh, yeah. in, into the space, you know, what have you seen and how are you kind of counteracting that old school mentality? Yeah, well, I think there's, there's two important points here. I, I totally agree with your analysis of the space where, you know, when we first came in, we realized, okay, well, everyone, everyone's just reselling other people's data, right? And there's, there's few real data providers that are bringing new types of data sets to the market. Um, but so I think there's, there's, there's two categories of data providers right now. There's what I call traditional real estate data vendors. And then there's what the industry calls alternative data vendors. And we would very much fall into that second category. Um, and so I think there's, we're starting to see a shift where we're starting to bring in new types of insights, new perspectives on the, on the market or, or on cities in our case, um, into the real estate data space, which is really opening up the possibilities of what we can do with data. My biggest issue with the traditional real estate data space is that they're selling you data. And we don't need more data, we need more insights. We need more actionable insights in this industry. And so what we've done differently and what we're actively trying to do more of is not sell raw data, but rather sell information. Sell information that you can actually take action on. And so we spend a ton of time trying to package this information in order to make it actionable. A good example is that, you know, to build the products that we currently have, um, ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to quantify that feeling. So I was talking about this earlier, right? And, and agents are going to know what I'm talking about here. If you go to a specific neighborhood or a specific street in the neighborhood, you kind of intuitively get the vibe of that space, right? You understand if you feel, uh, uh, you know, if it's safe, if it's not safe, you can kind of understand the types of people that are around, what's happening, who would fit well in this neighborhood um, based on what they're trying to, to accomplish or the lifestyle they're trying to have. We're trying to quantify that feeling, that intuitive understanding of space through data. So what we have to do is basically replicate what, what, what the human brain does of taking in thousands of sources of data from different things, making sense of it to create that feeling. What we do is we source hundreds of different data sets 
and then we combine them in a way that's meaningful um, to our users, so the home buyer. So for example, we'll look at things like the ratio of the width of the street to the height of the buildings, the setback of the building from the sidewalk, the width of sidewalks, traffic patterns, how many pedestrians there are, whether there's on-street parking or not, the, 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 the surface area, the canopy coverage of the trees within that street, the, tops, the types of shops and services, the diversity of shops and services around, what types of modes of transportation we'll have access to, uh, what's, how far school is, uh, noise levels, and all of these things we package together into what we call location scores, which are essentially indicators to try to categorize or make sense of that space. And for the user, instead of throwing them a ton of new data points, um, we're actually saying, hey, you care about a pedestrian friendly area, or you care about being able to move around using um, uh, public transport. Well, this is a really good spot for you, right? And so we're making sense of location and make it easy for people to understand what it's like to be there, but then more importantly, to compare one opportunity, one house to another house in another neighborhood. And so I think what I'm hoping the data industry is going to do more of is actually use data sets, combine them in a meaningful manner to provide consumers or other businesses with new innovative insights that are actionable for whatever that stakeholder is trying to do. And I think that's where we get ahead because at some point, and, and we see this uh, with, 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 some, with some players in the industry, there's kind of data overload. And the consumer just doesn't know what to look for or, or how to make sense of all that information. And so we really need to synthesize data sets into actionable insights for the user. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's very, very smart um, because everybody can go out and buy data. And by the way, folks, for those of you that don't know, um, some of these data sets can be even an individual data set, for example, school districts uh, and school attendance zones, which is, you know, like elementary schools mm -hmm. and, and, and middle schools and et cetera. Um, just that data set for just the United States alone can be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars um, oh, to buy that. And that's just the data set. So you just block that down there. That doesn't even include the extra data on uh, that you'd want to provide insights to the consumer on, for example, uh, you know, how good is the school, right? So that's, that's just laying the box on top of the map that says, hey, here's, here's where this school district is. Um, so, you know, Vince, these insights that you're building, um, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like that's what's your differentiator uh, in terms of the company, because I don't see these insights from other data companies, really. I just see the, hey, we have parcels, right? Yeah, well, it's it's part of so so again, we have kind of a team of what we built is a team of what we call urban planners turned data scientists. Mm -hmm. So we're taking kind of that in depth understanding of cities, and we're trying to use data to make it available to as many people as possible. And so um, it, it certainly is um, where we started, right? So quantifying cities. What we're now starting to move into is saying, well, okay, how do we apply this type of perspective, this type of insight, this level of insight to the real estate market, right? So starting to see trends of how people are valuing different types of spaces in cities um, in the real estate market. And that's been really, really interesting to where now we can assemble those two different realities and, and try to be predictive in uh, where we're seeing the market go and what aspects of a location are driving value. Um, 
And then the second aspect is saying, well, like, and, and, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, is saying it's not just about getting access to the data or making sense of the data. It's then presenting in a manner that actually makes sense for the user and whatever that the, the you know the, the the user is trying to accomplish. So uh, it's presenting the right data point at the right moments in the conversion funnel, or presenting the right data point, the right information to the consumer at the right at time uh, for them to make a better decision. And that's, um, that's a really, really challenging thing to do um, because um, you basically have to tailor um, the types of perspectives that you're bringing the consumer based on their interests, their perspective, whatever uh, they're trying to accomplish, um, either in buying a house or selling a property or understanding what a neighborhood's like. So I think that makes perfect sense. Um, so, you know, you guys have have closed some big deals uh, at Local Logic, and you're not that old of a company. And I always find that a lot of big, huge real estate brokerage companies, they wait till a company gets a little more mature mm -hmm. uh, to, to buy things from them to make sure everything's going to work out. But you've got, I mean, in Canada, you have the, the three, three of the largest entities in Canada, in Sotheby's Canada, uh, which is the entire uh, country of Canada, uh, has one franchise of Sotheby's. Um, Royal LePage, which is essentially the coal banker of Canada, more or less, uh, if, if you're listening from the United States, I mean, it's, it's the behemoth, it's the, the big boy that's there. Um, and then uh, I think the, the, the uh, icing on the cake is Realtor.ca, which is the number one real estate search website, I believe, in all of Canada. Um, you have deals with all of these guys. You know, is the insights, is what you're working on, that, is that what helped you land these big deals as being a newer company? Well, I think, so, so there's, there's two aspects of it. I think um, in Canada, unlike in the US, there's few companies trying to innovate in this space. And that was true when we first started. So I think um, being a Canadian startup, going to Canadian uh, brokerages or websites was kind of an edge that we had. Um, all of these companies took a, took a shot on us. Um, it was a risk. We were, I mean, Realtor.ca, I think we signed that deal three years ago now. So we were a tiny company. Um, and, 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 uh, and so, uh, I think, I think it was, it was, it was a ton of hustle to, to, to make that happen. Um, you know, we, we were really, really persistent on the value that we believe location data would have in Canada. And we wanted to see that shift in the industry. Um, and so once we kind of landed one of those big accounts, well, then it kind of made sense for, for all the others to jump on board because they saw um, traffic increase to their competitor, right? And so when we when we signed one of those deals, Canadians were now saying, well, this is super relevant information. I want to have access to that as I was doing searches online. Um, all the other websites recognized that and then, and then contacted us to, to see how, how we could do business. Um, the other element that was really important for us um, being a new player in the space was making sure that our products actually had value. And so this is something we're super adamant about. Um, you know, we want to make sure it works for the clients that are buying our stuff. And so with all of these deals, um, we were always very upfront with them saying, hey, you know, let's make sure there's, there's value here. Let's run a pilot. Let's see exactly the impact that our solutions have. Let's see if consumers actually care about this data. And then let's iterate and make sure that it's working for everyone. And so with all of these deals, we started with small pilot we saw the impact and then um, we grew those, we, we grew those partnerships over time as, as there was more and more comfort um, with the value of our products. And today, I mean, um, we have awesome relationships with all of those brands. 
um, and we're, we're building out new innovative um, integrations with them um, practically every quarter. Um, and, and it's become a really, really fun thing to do with them where we're iterating and we're thinking and innovating together as to what the industry should look for next and how we can make those integrations better, how we can make um, uh, teen and home buyers uh, search online search experience just that much better with a whole new ton of data that we're starting to acquire. Yeah, I, I mean, I interviewed uh, for this podcast, uh, Patrick Pichette, uh, right. who's a VP at Realtor CA a few weeks ago. And he had just excellent things to say about you guys, um, both on the recording and before we even started recording. Um, <laughs> nice. So uh, he, you know, he was a big fan. Uh, and uh, and I mean, know. yeah, to their credit, Realtor.ca, um, for, for being that large of an organization is super, super innovative. I mean, um, so yeah, they, you know, we're a good example of them taking taking risks and, and working with small startups. But I know last year we participated, well, we were actually on the, on the judging panel this time of a hackathon they put up and um, they were um, they were looking at new companies and saying, hey, how can we innovate? How we can how can we propel uh, new types of ideas or new technology in the industry? And so, um, you know, congrats to them for making that a priority because I think um, it enables them to have um, an innovative product and be and be introducing new technology in the industry. Um, so so you know, we were super lucky to. To, to meet up with them and to make that happen. But this is not a one-time thing for them. They're, they're, they're always looking for new tech. And, you know, I think that they're a very innovative organization, as you mentioned. Um, right. Have you looked at any engagement metrics? Like, have you, do you, do you have any uh, data that you could possibly share with our listeners on if we can get somebody to engage with the map, they're X percent more likely to, uh, um, yeah. uh, to, like to talk to a realtor or something like that? So we're a data company, right? So we're pretty data driven, or we try to be at least in, in how we did all products. So um, yes, we bring data to the table. We bring new types of data to the table, but you know, we're selling and we're, we're, we're building products and we products that are built on top of those data sets. But ultimately what we look to do is be that location intelligence layer throughout a whole website and bring that experience right from the home page all the way down to that listing page and work with our partners to really help them uh, reach their objectives of making their website, their web portal um, as effective as possible for whatever they're trying to accomplish with it. Most of the time that's converting traffic into actual leads, right? And so, um, you know, through A-B testing, we make sure that all our product are optimized to attract traffic. And so, um, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing increases of up to 13% in traffic uh, to pages that have our data. This is, you know, of course, through SEO. And so um, Google not only recognizes our partners' websites as being experts on real estate, they also uh, recognize uh, that they're experts on location. And so uh, search keys like, you know, um, best neighborhood to buy a house in in Austin, right? And then suddenly, or, or you know, this neighborhood plus real estate in, in the Google search form, well, suddenly, you know, you're going to pop up because you have that really in-depth understanding of location as content on your web, on your web page. Yeah, that's, then, that's amazing. Go ahead. No, I was just yeah, going to yeah. say it's a 13% increase, uh, especially for a high volume traffic site. I mean, that, that's just out of this world numbers. Right. And, and what's fun is that this is data, right? It's not somebody writing up content. So the data is refreshed. Um, it's, it's, it can be done at scale. So it's not four neighborhoods. It could be, you know, 
or 100,000 neighborhoods or 40,000 neighborhoods that we're able to, to, to create that data for or content for. Um, it could be um, you know, any number of listings where, where we have that information and that written content. Second one is, is all about engagement, right? So if you're looking through the funnel, you're attracting that traffic to your website, then it's all about engaging that traffic. Um, what we're finding is, you know, when you're looking for a house online, um, you're going to be uh, engaged with the site and then suddenly, um, you know, you want more information on neighborhood, well, you're going to go to Google or you're going to switch, switch up to other tabs on your browser. So we're really focused on trying to be as contextualized as possible, bringing in all that information directly on the web page so that the user is able to, to, to basically do the jobs or to find the info that they're looking for without being distracted and maybe not coming back to your website. And so what we're seeing is, you know, close to four times increase in engagement on a site with our solutions. Essentially, we're giving them more to click on, more to, more to discover, um, bringing them into um, uh, the, the process and the funnel of that website. And then finally, this is kind of the ultimate uh, a measure of success for us, it's conversion. So how many of um, of those traffic, that traffic is actually converted into leads. And this is, so through an A-B test, basically, where we're testing the same site, the same page, uh, and we're bringing two cohorts of users, so two groups of users. So the first group, we're showing our information. The second group, we're not showing our information. And we're seeing a 36% increase in the likelihood that you're going to be contacting an agent or converting in, in, in some shape or form if you're using and seeing our solutions. And so essentially what that's telling us is we're giving the user the right information to make them feel comfortable that they can take the next step and actually contact an agent to get more information on our property, which is the whole point of the website. And so for us, when we got that first number, it was kind of like a huge, a huge relief and sheer success because you know, we're seeing the value, yes, for the consumer through that number, but also for a client, for that brokerage or that portal, that website, and helping them accomplish what their their business objective is. That that's those are just amazing numbers, and and frankly, we'll talk more about our our uh, um, our connection here in a second. But uh, I think I, I can't really. I really can't wait to see how that comes out for our clients too, and talk right. about that, you know, maybe down the road somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, obviously we're in an interesting time with pan with the pandemic and uh, it's certainly sh shown that people can change on a dime what some of their desires are in seeking real estate, you know, here uh, in the yeah. States, we've seen people move and trying to move away outside of San Francisco and New York and, and Chicago and, and go to either the burbs or maybe just, you know, go yeah. to an entire, entirely different state um, because of that. Have you noticed any differences in what people are looking for when they engage with your data over what it was pre-March? Yeah, so being being real estate nerds, but also uh, urban planner nerds, this has been a huge topic of discussion on our, on our uh, company Slack and, and in our, our Zoom meetings. Um, we first started seeing impacts kind of the first week of COVID. Um, and it was funny because the types of information we were looking at was really working with the news. So I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of COVID, everybody was buying a bike and it was a big thing and all the bike shops were sold out of bikes. Anyways, this was the case in, 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 in Canada. Um, and uh, we saw the popularity for uh, cycling friendly homes skyrocket. So basically everybody was saying like, hey, I got this new bike. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commute to work by bike. I'm going to use it all the time. And, and so we saw that shift almost immediately. Um, and, and of course, that's kind of 
anecdotal, but over time, what we're seeing is that um, there's real shifts in the way that people are, are searching. Uh, we wrote a blog post about this uh, a few weeks ago, but we're seeing a huge increase in the average commute distance that people are willing to do in different cities uh, throughout the US and Canada. Um, you know, we saw things like 42% uh, higher uh, increase in commute times that people were willing to consider for a new house in Calgary, Canada. Um, uh, I think it's 16% in Toronto, 32% in Montreal. And so essentially what this is telling us is that people are saying, I'm probably going to be less going, I'm, I'm not going to be going to work into work as often. I'm willing to work further away, uh, be in a suburb. Um, so I think, and this is, this is where I see the value and power of data is that I think this is a really interesting leading indicator for us to start understanding what's happening in the market. So before a transaction happens, we're starting to see these trends where people are actually considering different homes. Um, and, and data is going to be, in my opinion, a tool that an agent or any kind of real estate professional is going to be able to use to better understand where the market is going and help their consumers, their clients um, interpret uh, the trends that we're seeing in the news that are oftentimes not as contextualized as we'd like to when we're analyzing whether or not we should buy this one specific home. Yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. My my buddy Rob Hahn um, has been on uh, once already, and we've already recorded a second episode with him. And he actually wrote a blog post right when all this started called the rise of the exurb, not even the suburb, the mm -hmm. exurb, you know, being far out uh, and saying, yeah. you know, it might yeah. be a two hour drive uh, yeah. to get to work, but because I maybe only need to go in uh, once every two weeks, it's not that big of a deal. And I'd rather enjoy my life, sit on an acre uh, of ground, yeah. Uh, yeah. be on a lake, uh, et cetera, with my family, the other, yeah. uh, the rest of the, the two week time. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We're seeing trends like that too. It, it's unclear whether these are second or you know vacation homes, uh, but there's definitely interest in in rural areas, um, and there's there's been an uptick in traffic there. Um, what we're also seeing is that so in Quebec there's kind of confinement, and, and we were we were um, we had less confinement during the summer, and now it kind of we started back up again, and um, and that traffic to those other properties has proportionally increased, right? And so it's hard to see how much of this is gonna be a long lasting impact versus kind of part of the new cycle and as things evolve, people are, 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 are considering different uh, different avenues. So um, we're keeping a really, really good look on, on, on how those trends are evolving. And, and I think it's gonna be interesting to see um, exactly what types of environments people end up choosing um, and what are the things that they're willing to compromise on um, and, and what are the things that they kind of want to keep the same as it was before. Yeah, I, I think those are going to be very interesting insights. I look forward to seeing you guys get some data out on this uh, uh, in the future yeah. <laughs> and, and looking into it uh, and advising our clients on it. Um, right. So let's let's talk about that a little bit uh, as a segue. Um, you know, at Tribus, uh, we've done a deal with you guys, and now our, our clients are going to have access uh, to your data, uh, both on a public-facing website and on their back-end pieces. You know, we've talked a lot about websites and how uh, RealPage and, and uh, Realtor.ca and Southeast Canada and, and uh, one of our largest clients, Remax Results, uh, mm -hmm. now has it on their front-facing website. Um, right. 
and and that there's some obvious things that happen when you engage you put that on there and obviously all of your engagement metrics are amazing and i can't wait to pull the data but i wanted to talk for just a second you know for for agents in brokerages of ours that are now getting that data or in any brokerage that has access to yep. this data uh where maybe it's also added to um, not only on the front end of their website but maybe in the back end where they can yep. connect up and show clients data what are some things that you think agents could do to really set themselves apart by using the data or sending a client access to a map or, or, or something along those lines to, to really help them find the right property for them? Well, I think consumers are expecting agents to be kind of, you know, the experts of location in the same way that they're experts of, of the real estate process, right? And so um, I think uh, what our, our tools enable an agent to do is really get super familiar with a neighborhood, but more specifically, that one house, right, that one address. So all our data is actually calculated at the address level. And so, you know, what's the noise level like there? What are the sources of noise nearby? Um, what's the really good grocery that's next door? Um, what school district does that house fit into, right? All of this information um, you need to know. And so we kind of uh, assembled it for you and enable you to save a ton of time instead of doing that research to, uh, you know, to, to, to put together for a client or, or if you're going in a pitch, um, it's, it's having that at your fingertips in a matter of seconds. My friend just bought a house uh, and he was like, look, the agent didn't know what school we were, my kid was going to go to. Um, I was asking all these location questions. They had no clue. I ended up doing the research on Google. Um, we decided not to go with him, right? That's unacceptable. It's, 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 you should have access to all this data and you should be prepared. And, and I think hopefully your solution enables you to do that uh, much quicker. Um, the second aspect is I think um, you're able to also understand uh, and talk about um, or, or compare two different properties. And, and using data and, and the scores that we create enables you to be pretty um, uh, uh, explicit about the differences in location um, with one property or the other. So when you're helping a client compare the two alternatives saying, well, look, this one's a five minute drive away from your, your work, or it's a two minute walk away from the nearest bus stop. The other one is 10 minutes away. Um, the noise here is higher than the other. Our, our metrics make it really, really easy. So. Basically, we score every address from zero to 10 on all these different factors. We're able to say like, hey, groceries here are 10 out of 10. Uh, grocery stores at this other property are six out of 10. So you have less diversity or it's harder to get access to grocery stores at this property. It makes it easier for people to take decisions. And I think it's a good metric that agents can use to help frame the discussion around uh, multiple options in terms of, of specific properties. I think all of that uh, is is the kind of stuff that helps them set apart because I think like your right. friend found, I think the average agent knows the basics of a property. I, I would say most mm -hmm. agents usually know where the school district is and, and things right. like that. Uh, but uh, I find that most of them don't understand the other things that people really care about. Uh, and, and, you know, we're all human. The, the agent is a human too. They care about those things in that area. But I, I think a lot of times training inside of brokerages don't factor into helping agents identify what the, uh, what the non-real estate specific, what the non-property specific yeah. items are. What I mean is, 
um, around location is I, I, it is important for me to be near a coffee shop. It is important right. for me to be near a grocery store. It is important for me uh, to be in an excellent school district, you know, and, you, right. and when you think about those things and ask the questions, I think that's how you help them find the exact right property for them instead of look at 150 homes and they never end up purchasing one. Right? Yeah, it's exactly. It's tailoring the experience to that specific user and highlighting the elements of a location that matter to them, right? What we try to do is look at everything outside of the four walls of the property and helping the consumer or the agent make sense of that easily and make that data accessible, right? Increase the transparency associated with that type of insight. And so I think, like you said, it enables the expert to get that much more data, right? Saying it's a three minute walk versus a 10 minute walk to the nearest subway station. Um, that's important. You look like a pro if you're able to actually pull out those stats. But then it's also to say, well, look, you might be really familiar, really good with, and the majority of business might be coming from one specific neighborhood. Uh, well, this enables you to kind of explore other neighborhoods or see other opportunities and still be that expert, still show up with the right insight, the right detailed information about a property that, you know, that's in a neighborhood that you might be less familiar with. I, I, all, all excellent commentary there. Um, now we're out of time, but I always ask every one of my uh, interviewees, I always ask them the last question uh, that's the same because I always like hearing what yeah. their feedback is. And that is, if you could change one thing in the real estate industry, wave your magic wand tonight and change one thing and it was different tomorrow, what would it be? I think it's all about transparency for me. I think the real estate industry is so exciting. There's so much opportunity you know, where you live or where you invest could radically change the life that you have. And I wish that everyone would have the opportunity of being involved either as a consumer or being involved in the industry as a professional. And, and I think the solution to make that more accessible is through transparency, transparency of data, but also transparency around the process, making it clear, make it simple for people to understand and to start getting interested in real estate and being involved in some way. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we're doing our part to make that um, a small reality around location characteristics, but I think there's so much more to do around making the industry more accessible um, and making it more transparent for people to want to participate and want to be involved. Just to, to put the, uh, the cherry on top of that statement, um, in every single industry where transparency has been brought to that industry over the past uh, you know, time of recorded history, in every single place of transparency, it's enhanced or made more transactions happen because mm -hmm. of that. It's the same thing about bringing liquidity to it. So the more transparency uh, and the more liquidity that you bring to an individual market, um, the better that market overall does. So something right. to keep in the back of, uh, of everybody's brain there is the more transparent you can make it, the more open you can make it, um, chances are the more transactions you'll gain and, and maybe more transactions are done as a whole. So, right. well, thanks so much, Vince, uh, for joining us. I really appreciate the insights uh, and I look forward to our, uh, our partnership here and, and getting Absolutely. your data and all of this out to, uh, to all of our customers. Thanks for having me, Eric. It was, it was a blast. Yeah, same here. Now that was Vince Hotter. Now Vince again is the CEO and co-founder of Local Logic, uh, a spatial data company that we are now partnered with here at Tribus, but works with some of the largest brands uh, in North America. 
You've been listening to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. Please make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player to get all of our future episodes delivered right to your device. Thanks so much for listening.